I'm gonna steal the Declaration of Independence. I'd like to take his his face off. Oh, no, not the beat! A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L. I was a little drunk. Plus, I was horny. And welcome back to Cage Old Question, where we ask, is Nicolas Cage the greatest actor alive? I'm Artoon, and this is my wife-to-be, Christina. Hello. And on this show, we watch the entire film catalog of Nicolas Cage in chronological order, working our way through 40 years of cinema. As a disclaimer, this is a personal podcast not affiliated with any other third parties, and the opinions expressed herein are strictly our own. For today's episode, we are closing out the 90s. Yes, we have finished another decade of Cage in the four decades that we have, and we are reviewing the 1999 film Bringing Out the Dead. The film is based on the novel by Joe Connolly. It's semi-autobiographical, and the screenplay was written by Paul Schrader. Teaming up with the director again, that's Martin Scorsese, the Paul Schrader Scorsese Dynamo are back again. And today, I'd say we're teaming up with another Dynamo special here, a special guest, Eli Lloyd. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Eli Lloyd is a writer and comedian from Los Angeles, California. He loves twist endings, big dance numbers, and he is four years old. Uh, we went to college together as well, and I once starred in a web series that Eli wrote. Eli, welcome to the pod. <laughs> when you initially said that uh, Nicolas Cage was collaborating with someone, you paused as if that was the guest today. And I almost jumped the gun and said hello as Martin Scorsese. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, I'd I say not my cleanest intro, but, you know. I thought it was great. Uh, Honestly, the two oh, of you, you, the way really like a duo <laughs> unlike any other. I mean, that was very impressive. Wow. Thank um, you. A duo not unlike Martin Scorsese and Paul Schrader. You know. they, people have said that about me and Christina before that we're a real really? Marty Paul. <laughs> no, which is which? <laughs> which is which? Steen? I gotta be Martin. You're Martin. Right. Wow. Who's got I don't better know eyebrows? Who Paul is. I don't. I don't know what we're. I, I. I know him. I'm like, what is their previous collaboration? Like, I saw him in the credits, but I don't know him. Paul Schrader did. Didn't he write Taxi, Taxi Driver? He did. He wrote Taxi Driver. Um and teamed up with Martin for that. And then he's also like done his own stuff. Uh, like he directs as well. Yeah. Did, I don't he, know him. I don't know this man. He's, Sorry he's, he's, I'd say overall Sorry pretty to good. This man. Sorry, Sorry to this, this man. man. Paul Schrader. For, for, for God. I'm with you. Uh, we all know Eli. who the real star of this movie is. That's and right. ain't the writer. No. <laughs> Uh, well, speaking of the star, Eli, we usually ask our guests, what's your, like, I guess, experience, your history, your background with Nicolas Cage? Like, you know, when did he come into your world? What do you think of him, you know, before this film, after this, like, you know, that kind of stuff? Great question. I think I'm going to have to say, that I, I, how many people come on here and immediately start talking about National Treasure? How many of the other guests? Is that no is that like we talk about it all the time? Not really, honestly. No. Okay. Maybe one. Well, that's one good to know. It. Yeah. Yeah. I love that movie so much, uh, but that, I, I think it's just because it was like one of the first movies that I think 
I saw with him in it, um, followed by Moonstruck, which I watched with my mother. That, those were like the first two Nick Cage mm. movies Mom's that really kind of introduced me to who this man is. But really, I know him from an even earlier thing, because I think I had seen some of his movies, but didn't really understand who he was as a person. I went to, he went to my high school. Okay. What? Not, At the not same time as, as you. See, I was <laughs> not, well, I'm four years Nicholas old. Nicholas Cage went so, to your high school. What high school is this? Beverly Hills High School. Beverly Hills. So this you is the Beverly one where he would ride the bus in and feel all self-conscious because the Beverly Hills <laughs> kids were like, look at that bus riding freak. And- <laughs> Yeah, is that right or bus is that, is that from? I don't know. I, I don't mean, know. where I don't know I don't where know. he grew up. Is I? I want to say like from somewhere like the up in the compound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. We don't need to feel that bad. But he was like no, no, so no. hard for me. Um, yeah. Did you? Were How you, did you get to school, Eli? Um, do you know what a blade is? No, it's a. It's oh, it's a, like an Uber, but for helicopters. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> No, no, no. I, 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 my, my mommy drove me, um, and until I was 17 and then I drove, uh, mom's old car. Nice. Uh, yeah. And Cage was very important. My mom's car. Do you remember that? Like first fleet of, it was like a Lexus hybrid. So it was like an electronic car. It was vaguely. Yeah. So I drove, I drove my mom's Lexus hybrid. It was like a nice. sedan. No, 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 no. Not what a sedan. What color was SUV. it? SUV. Oh, green, an SUV. Green and gray. Green. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Big. I drove, I drove my dad's uh, Acura MDX and it was a green SUV. It was my car oh, I really? to drive wow. on and drove, drove to high school wow. and, at the end of that time. Two Californians driving their green SUVs. Driving them around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My mom drove an Acura Legend, I think, as well. Oh. But I never got to drive it. I think it was before, oh. I, before my time. But there are pictures. Um, I do like the Acuras. Uh, but Nicolas Cage, don't know what he... He drove the bus, apparently. Um, yeah. yeah, before his Lamborghini days and his Porsche, Porsche yeah, days Yeah, because at began. this point in his life when he's doing this, he has a lot of exotic cars. Um, I mean, we're going to get into this uh, for our... For our oh, wait, I was... Oh, at- the high school do they have like pictures of Nicolas Cage around being like or there's too many alums that they're like we don't highlight one over another okay not that many alums not that many big famous alums the the reason why he's sort of beloved by the theater nerds of which I was one is that he (laughs) he did not get cast he did not get cast as like the lead in anything when he was in high school and he was upset okay. about it. He talks about it in interviews. <laughs> Do you know? Does he really? Because you know who did yes. get cast as the lead and everything? My I'm uncle. <gasps> my uncle. There's a picture in my grandparents' no. house. Well, my, my grandmother passed away this year. But forever, oh, there was sorry. a picture in the house. It's okay. It's it's perfectly okay. I mean, it sucks, but obviously. But we're not, that's not what this yeah. podcast is about, right? I mean, we can talk about her. <laughs> well, we I mean, we, we, we are talking about we are talking memory. about bringing out the dead here, so. You know, that's true. Yeah. Inevitably. <laughs> well, no, I mean, we are. I mean, at the end of the day, we are. <laughs> More like bringing up the dead. <laughs> uh, wow. Nice. All right. Okay. But in, so in, your, in your grandmother's attic, there's pictures of, of your uncle. Of Nicholas Cage. Your Francis of, Ford Coppola of to look up to. Of Nicholas Cage? Well, 
yeah, a second fiddle did, to your uncle. Yeah, they did. Okay, so my my his senior year. This is the craziest picture ever. Okay, it's his senior year of high school. My uncle Stephen, who I look remarkably like, so really it looks like it's me in this picture. Okay, he is playing. Who's the main guy in West Side Story? What's his name? Ricky, Jimmy, Tony, Tim? Tony, Tony. Yeah. Okay, Ricky, Tony, okay, so Ricky, no. Tony. <laughs> he's, he's Tony. Ravioli. He's playing Tony. He's okay. playing Mr. Tony, okay? Which, that's a huge role. You get to sing Maria, huge that role. great song. Huge role. In the background, angry, is <laughs> Nicolas Cage, because I'm pretty sure he's playing Krupke, okay? <laughs> I'm not sure it's Krupke. It, it might be Krupke, might not be Krupke. But I think is he's Is that the medicine Krupke. shop owner? No, no that's Officer Krupke. Officer Krupke, oh my God. <laughs> oh okay. my God. Oh my God. So if if he if Krupke's that if Krupke is Nicholas Cage, there's also another celebrity in this photo who was not the lead, and that is Crispin Glover, <gasps> who I believe was in the ensemble. Wow! So in this one picture, and you're looking through, you can see uh, Crispin Glover and Nicholas Cage. And I think there's even a third, but I could be wrong about this. This is the one where I'm like, uh, maybe getting the dates wrong here. I think that Schwimmer might be in this picture too. David? David. I believe that it's possible that David. Is there any way you can get us a copy of this photo? Oh, of course. If, that I'm, would be I could get you a copy of this. I get you a copy of this, you know, for 2 p.m. today. Wow. Monumental. Please Incredible. make it so. Um, um, yes. This is wow. huge. This is huge news for me because when yeah. I was in high school, uh, in Guys and Dolls, I was not cast as any of the fun roles, not not a Charlie Horse or Nathan or any of those guys. You know who I was? I was Lieutenant Brannigan, who doesn't get to dance in any of the numbers and just comes in and goes, "Look what we got here, boys! The you know, criminal, whatever." And then I just leave. the The most boring role in the entire thing. But I think that that might have been the Crispin Glover role. Wow, that sounds. But this is, and this is, and this is, this is huge for me because it means, you know, I am behind schedule uh, to Nicolas Cage's current like life schedule. But you're also not a nepo baby, exactly. So, so I'll, I'll, you lose, you lose I could, I could, could, yes, yes, and so. But this is good news. This is good news. My, my Martin Scorsese collaboration. Should he live? For another twenty years, uh, is is right. <laughs> you should start angling towards playing a young Martin Scorsese in something. <gasps> oh yeah! Wow. Yeah. Work on that. They're doing that. We, we've we've so run out of ideas that we're not just doing reboots now. We're doing like making of the movies that we love. We, it's not enough that yes. we have to remake them. We just, we're going to yeah. have to show you the making of and dramatize that. Yeah. So you could be a young Marty. Of the making of. Yeah. Well, and look, speaking of young Marty. Speaking of young Marty. He's not that young when he's doing this, but he's not old. And no, we were talking about driving it. earlier. He's still got it. We were talking about driving, and you know who's doing a lot of driving in this? Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage. Let's get into bringing out the dead. Uh, there will be spoilers ahead. Uh, if you want to watch this movie, I'd say pause right now, go watch the movie, or I don't know. I feel like no one's watching the movies anymore. Just don't watch People the movie. People are watching. And- People are watching but i would say i'd say skip this one join no, in no, no, grab, no. Grab, I, I, grab a little cup of water and listen it's in this was do what you two want. hours 
We'll, we'll save All you right. two hours of time here. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Get ready to be in an ambulance in a dirty hospital as we follow around Frank Pierce, Nicholas Cage, and his horrible evening life as a paramedic. He's got a rotating wee-oo, cast of cope. <laughs> Wait, should I be doing sound effects for this? No, that was great. That was great. <laughs> Um, He's got a rotating cast of co-paramedics, including Larry Verber, John Goodman, who's always hungry, a rambunctious, like, preaching Ving Rhames as Marcus, and real-life known piece of shit Tom Sizemore as piece of shit in the movie playing a character named Tom. Uh, during <laughs> real during, life known piece of shit real okay, life known piece of shit Tom Sizemore <laughs> I didn't know uh, during all of this he gets enamored with the daughter of one of his patients Mary Burke played by Nicolas Cage's real wife at the time Patricia Arquette but they're already not that strong anymore <gasps> uh, it's all falling apart they have one final ride in this movie this is bringing out the dead wow um Eli. Where do you want to start? Where should we start? Where do you want to start? Why don't you give me an initial, like, bam, initial thoughts. Like, what's your just, like, you know, off the the cuff? I want to talk about the ending, but I, we probably shouldn't. I don't think we should. That is par for the course of this podcast is... Is everybody wants Christina, to talk about ending? Everyone wants to talk about the dive ending. dive into the ending. So we can work our way backwards here. We could just well, do it. We'll just talk about the ending. Spoilers ahead. Here comes the ending. Here comes the ending. What did okay, you think well, of the ending? <laughs> okay. Well, let me give you my general thoughts, and then, and then whatever. I, I want to talk about how the, that the end of this movie, a woman whose father has just died, is consoling yes. basically a stranger on her bed. <laughs> yes. That yes. was yeah. that was I, just one thought that just occurred to me. Also. Are they sort of mourning their marriage in real life? I don't know. Wow. Maybe. I it didn't know they be. were married in real life at the time. It also – and we watched this with Christina's mom actually who uh, – kudos yeah. to her for, for chugging through this. Um, she said that final image is like the Mother Mary with little baby Jesus Christ like, you know – resting his head on and it's it's yeah she referenced that, i feel like it's called the, that position the pietra called pieta, yeah the pieta, 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 pieta. so it's like the, pieta, the highestness the of women is our yeah. final shot despite it not being a relevant concept throughout the entire movie but anyway <laughs> yeah i didn't understand this movie i was hoping someone understood it it, does, it sounds like maybe we were all a little bit mystified I think I, I think I have And I'll say I'll say about the ending that it is also another it's a overexposure use of the overexposure. Um uh-huh. and I think it's a little bit better than when we saw it in Face Off with uh Johnny Travolta being he's he's a dad on the carousel and it's like overexposure being like oh. look at happy memories between father and child. Mm-hmm. I I was like that's weird. But this well, time I was like okay, well, I, this, I get the use a little more. But This whole movie oh. the lighting was like this is where I feel like we get to certain movies and like with certain directors where like and I've said this before and Christina didn't like it but like I feel like certain directors I just feel comfortable that they're like making choices and like doing things very purposefully and like uh, for some reason so like the camera movements in this and the lighting and like it's all very effective in like making you feel absolutely insane. Like it's, I think supposed to make you feel like this is your second night shift and it's horrible. And the lights are all either too bright. It's like when you're, you know, when you're like kind of dreaming and like, you can't really see anything like, and there's just like light, like the the morning lights, like peeking through, but you're still in the dream. 
Like that's mm-hmm. the that's how I felt this entire movie. Like it's just so hazy and quick and like horrible and you can't really look at anything for too long and you're moving too fast. I, and it, I just felt it was very effective. Whether or not like I'm like and that's what I like to watch. Uh that's... I don't I don't see I don't know if it's like I'm like yeah. this is a great evening time. But I felt I felt crazy. I felt like I was in this ambulance. I mean, Eli, you, you're currently you're sick. You have, you felt you were fully in the hallucination. I literally had fever dreams all night, <laughs> uh, and I'm, I'm not even kidding. It was fairly reminiscent of like the experience of watching that movie, which was felt sort of like disjointed, almost like in a dream. How like a dream will really change genre on you in like. Yeah seconds where you're like wait a minute i was in i was doing one thing and now i'm doing another thing i'm not sure like how these two things feel causally related in a dream um i felt that that was mission style dreams where i'm always like trying to get something urgent done i don't know if you guys have those and oh yeah totally but sometimes i'll have that dream and then that dream i'll completely drop the mission and i'll be like wasn't i I had something that i was doing seconds ago and now i've completely lost interest in that um which is a little bit how i felt about this movie which is like aren't wait wait, are you trying are you trying to save someone because it's like a drug for you or are you trying to find some sort of semblance of forgiveness because you are sort of responsible for the death of this person you're responsible by that same logic for the deaths of many it seems mm-hmm. um also yeah, you saved someone pretty early yeah. on in the movie with um ving irving rames yeah well that was a like that was a great irving. that was a great that was a great scene but i want to say so for people who who haven't watched the movie the, there's like a whole motif throughout this entire thing that Nicolas Cage is seeing ghosts of mainly this uh, like, I don't know, let's call her like maybe like an 18-year-old girl. Um, Wikipedia calls her a homeless teen. Rose. A homeless, that's, yes, Rose. That's my impression of her. <laughs> yes. She, Every time she's, her, she's, she, making, she's making the same like ghoulish face at him yes. over and over again. <laughs> It's haunting. It's terrible to behold. Yeah. And also, we see her constantly. It's like, and sometimes, like, every single person on the street is rose for him. Yeah. Um, did, yeah. You called it, you said, a garden of roses. <laughs> yeah, <I see. laughs> but it's very, this movie is, like, very, like, haunting and disjointed and all over the place. And I like what you were saying, Artoon, about how, like, knowing it's Martin Scorsese, you can kind of trust him. Like, this is a thoughtful director who's making decisions. Like, he didn't just not show up to set and say, you guys direct it. I'm just cashing my paycheck. And there is stuff like the opening lighting that's like these greens and these reds on Nicolas Cage's face and his blue eyes, how they are displayed is, like, so cool. But Overall, like ambulance movies are such a headache. And I had an enormous yeah. headache like during and after this movie. And <laughs> and like like the I don't I don't feel like it's like what does it want to say uh, besides occupational burnout ends up being like I think the one thing that is consistent throughout. But bringing us back to Rose, the homeless teen, fun fact is that I just updated the Wikipedia page to correct the spelling of uh, resuscitation. 
Um, what? Because it describes how he botches the resuscitation. I didn't spot it at a glance, but I was copy pasting it over and my thing was like, that's spelled wrong. And then I was wow. looking up and that's my first ever edit on Wikipedia. Memorialized. C- congratulations, Thank Christina. You. Wow. Thank nice. you. You know, heroes can be in ambulances or heroes can be editing Wikipedia Just at a home. girl on her laptop at home getting um, ready for a podcast. I, so they go to this hospital constantly that's... I, I feel like it was called. Oh, it was called. I have it. It was Mercy. called Hospital of Crazy. Yeah, it was. Mercy, it was. Right? It was. Uh, yeah, but it was scary. It wasn't just Mercy, like Mercy Hospital. It was Our Lady of Perpetual Mercy Hospital. Yeah, mm. sounds brutal. Sounds brutal. This hospital. Uh, this is where I go. Like, you know, how much of this is real and how much of this is movie. <sighs> Don't annoy me because we were already arguing. We, we, uh, Eli, we've talked a little bit about this movie being like it doesn't. Many aspects mm. don't feel real, and so what do I take away from this feeling? Like I don't even know what the truth is. And our tune's like, oh, the hospital's so overcrowded, and I'm like, that is what is truthful. That's what, especially in a post 2020 COVID world, is that like our hospitals have been unbelievably overcrowded with wow. people in gurneys out in halls and wow. waiting, crowding the emergency room because they can't get like more long-term hospital bed stuff. Anyway, sorry to cut you off and immediately yeah, disagree no, no. before you could. But. Yeah. I, I, I mean, another, another true thing about hospitals is that they're predominantly staffed by former cast members on the wire. So <laughs> Do you- a lot of them on their second careers. Uh, Sopranos also <laughs> predominantly featured, and I noticed one actor from the television show Dexter in this movie playing a. And not to mention, there's also Carla from uh, Scrubs. There's um, the nurse from Scrubs is also here. So oh say yes, we, yes. <laughs> Her human name is Judy Ray's. Just by the way. Yes. Um, Her human I, name. <laughs> Her human name. There's also so I know that like I saw. Um, that like Nicolas Cage and Paul Schrader, like a lot of them rode around in ambulances to like, you know, get a feel for like what this actually is, like, like real life Seems going like out in did. New York. Seems Scorsese like everyone did. Martin Scorsese too. I'm sure Martin went out there too. I'm not saying he didn't. Um, well, he did. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> but how, I, again, like this, I just... I never know how much is real. Like how much of it. But that's what much, we're trying to. But that's. You're, well, you're, I love you're, it. You're, you're, now we get to it. I'm just no, relax. No, relax. It just feels that's like you're like, you're like, I don't even know if Martin Scorsese was doing it too. And then you're going to oh, ask. I'm going to ask Eli. Real, I'm going to ask gonna Eli. Try, Eli doesn't know. Eli doesn't necessarily know either. But I know that Martin Scorsese did. He, it, there's an interview with Roger Ebert from 2004, where he was talking about. Martin's parents were in and out of hospitals and that he was doing a lot of this stuff. He you've calls scared it 10 Eli. Years of Eli's ambulance. terrified right now. He you've should scared be scared. Him. It's good. It's good to get a little scared up top. That's the right emotion to feel. And then by the end of the podcast, you're like, it's fine. It was just a podcast. My life was never in any danger. It's okay. Yeah. So what do you want to say, Artoon? My body does not know what to uh, do with itself right now. I'm shaking with um, fever and fear. Um <laughs> No, this is a spirited conversation. I'm not really sure what we're debating, but uh, what I guess it's whether or not the movie is realistic. Is okay. I feel like that's the question. That's cool. the question I'm asking. Okay. Because if you told me it is, if a paramedic was like, "Yeah, that's what it's like," I'd be like, "Yeah, okay, cool." But if a paramedic was like, "That's a little Hollywood," I'd be like, "Oh yeah, probably." Like I, I don't know. I was in New York in the '90s. You know what I mean? Early '90s. It opens. Right. 
the title card mm-hmm. basically says the film takes place in New York City in the early 90s because they're like maybe it got I don't know cleaned up by 99 and so they're like just so you know this is early 90s it's not it's not 1999 everybody relax <laughs> right yeah like Giuliani had already sort of come in and was you know Busting changing I California. guess the, yeah exactly like <laughs> uh, I don't know I, I have no idea how realistic it could possibly be. I, I will say that like if we could rank the the most realistic elements of this movie. Mm-hmm. I would say that maybe the least realistic is the fact that there's a paramedic driver that like actively likes to beat people up. Yes. That yeah. felt a, a little like hundred percent. So we have like a crazy guy who drives this car and like beats up people. That like, seems yeah, a little it like detracts, okay. it detracts from Nicholas Cage's character yeah. too of he's just a bystander who lets this guy beat up like the people he's supposed to be helping. I'm like this? That's like par for the course for like I'd say like you know cops like that's like kind of the you know the, the but EMTs the are not code. cops no but they're you know he's wow, that's you know code? it's oh brothers code God. you know it's yeah but What's he's he steps code? in eventually I think you it's know. our tune trying to say like bro code amidst <laughs> professionals within an occupation oh, okay. but yeah I'm saying, <laughs> yeah the brotherhood if the city signs your checks you have your brothers back. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, okay. Well, that was crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, he was crazy, and you and as you noticed, a, a total real life uh, jerk. So yes, to, uh, Steve very believably. Not, yeah, I don't know in what ways he's a real he, life jerk. I don't know if you know can he, well, synthesize it for me. It's we got twofold. He's been one. This is like not really like that piece of shitty, but he's been in and out of rehab, a lot of substance abuse, all that stuff. Oh, but he's also got. And wait, hold Drug up for a second. Hold, a up, for, hold up for a second. He got <laughs> a big time me tooed uh, by mm. multiple women, and there was a full like case in court about. I believe he assaulted like an eleven year old girl, and there was oh, a whole no! trial about that. Oh! And so, uh. just so we know where we stand, Eli and I are against Tom Sizemore. Christina, I'm against feels a little him bit too. More, I more can feel, I can feel empathy <laughs> for all humans. We are all God's children and all need help. But That's I can true. also be like, cut his hands off at the wrists for having touched a child. So, um, so you are Our Lady of Perpetual Mercy, Christina. Yes, you are. Yes. yes. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. And what a cruel, cruel lady of mercy she is. Um, Eli, you were bringing up. So basically, I'd say the movie kind of plays out in three parts in terms of Nicolas Cage's, like, who his driving partner is. He starts with John Goodman, and we kind of get acquainted to the night. He goes with Ving Rhames, and it gets much crazier. Um, And then he has a brief spell at the Oasis, which we'll get into. And then he finishes off with Tom. Uh, and right. you were talking about the Ving Rhames uh, moment. And I thought he was one of the best parts of this movie, if I'm being honest. Oh, yeah, totally. He was my favorite of the partners. He was he had the coolest things to say. Mm-hmm. Um, also, that little chunk um, ended in the coolest way, I thought. Yes. Yeah. In terms and of the, the John Goodman, that, that Ving Rhames yeah, I thought that the ambulance. That was, he just sort of that staggers drinking, off. <laughs> They're now drinking and driving an ambulance and it immediately crashes it. Immediate it's, retribution for his it's sins. Freaking incredible. This is like all practical. We watched this ambulance <laughs> fly through the air. Yeah. It was so good. 
But also, I just feel like his character had the most, like, he was, like, you know, he was constantly preaching, but he was also, like, the girl on the, or the woman on the um, the dispatch who was Queen Latifah. He had, like, yeah, a I was huge say. crush on her and was constantly flirting with her. So, like, that was something. And the problem is, Nicolas Cage is, like, don't pick up the receiver. Just ignore it. Just don't answer the calls. And it was such a funny dynamic where they're like, we know you're there. 63, come in. We know you're there. Come on, you fuckers. Like, pick up or we're going to fucking send someone to you. Do your job. And Nicolas Cage is like, don't pick it up. Just leave it. And Ving Rhames is like, oh, baby, it's her. Woo-wee. You know, like, (laughs) and it just, I don't know. It was like, it was a succinct, like, dynamic. It was a succinct scene. Like, it was. It just worked well. I don't know. It, I felt whereas John Goodman was like, I, I got to get chicken teriyaki tonight. He's like, no, I had teriyaki last night. I, what about talk? Like it was such a more yeah. weird <laughs> dynamic. I think I, my big, I, I agree with you. I like the, I like the, um, that part of the movie because it felt, I guess it, I don't know. My my main issues with the movie is that I don't understand what I'm rooting to have happen to this main character that is the <laughs> Nick Cage guy. I uh-huh. ju- I just fundamentally I was like I guess I'm watching like a Descent into Madness movie, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. where a guy. But it was like revealed in a couple of very confusing ways where I was not exactly sure what kind of Descent of Mad into Madness it was going to be. Is it like He's going to become a drinker. He's going to get addicted to drugs. He's like hallucinating every everything. It just felt like a lot of different ways of articulating a descent into madness. And I was unsure what I was supposed to be anticipating. And therefore there was, I don't know. I, I guess during that part of the movie, what I thought was cool was like, this is going to be in classic Scorsese fashion, like a religious allegory. And like, we're bringing in religion as this like man's, whatever this will be the, the man's savior uh yeah. which feels like how the movie ends like it, yes. in a way i think you had brought that up christina that it was like very or your mom had brought it up that it was like a very religious like he is mm-hmm. sort of saved by a woman but it was uh his this you know person who i feel like i'm rambling now i'm trying to make it make no sense no me, i feel like, like you're spot on you're spot on with i i would love to interject if with go please, please stop with, me from with, rambling <laughs> no no you're not no you're not but 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 it's a uh, in that same roger ebert 2004 interview with martin scorsese he he describes how he was uh, he grew up like watching people helping the lost souls and that, and Roger Ebert is like saints, like a lot of saints are in your films. Um, and Martin Scorsese says, I keep thinking I can find a way to lead the spiritual life. And he says like that time is moving by. I'm aware of that. So this idea, like that you were sort of identifying that he has this religious motif throughout and that he is trying to and like, mm-hmm. like helping lost souls being like, and and they have some lines about in the movie about deciding whether they're just there to witness and like be a grief mop and just like provide mm-hmm. compassion, which is an interesting like tie back to we watched City of Angels where they're sort of witnesses providing compassion versus mm-hmm. like at, at more of a distance versus here more in it. And the idea of like, 
I think the critique that stands of this movie is that it feels like they didn't know what they wanted it to say. It feels like it's not decide. It's trying to be loosey goosey and live in the world of like, Oh, you don't know. Sometimes you don't know what to do with your life, but it's like, if you, if you put together two hours of a story, I think you should know and leave me with a little bit, something more specific about like, Mm. Are we saving souls here? Is it worth doing? My mom was like, "What?" She was like, "What I take away from this movie is never call nine one one in New York." <laughs> yeah, which is a great takeaway. <laughs> it, it seems like you're worse off if you end up in the hospital. Certainly, yes. that hospital, especially is so scary. at Mercy. <laughs> Definitely, um, yeah. <laughs> well, I I do think in terms of like what is good is there's there are. S- so many distinct characters in the sense that like and this is what i like about films like this is that like even smaller roles those like roles pop and like populate the world that we're living in like the security guard at the hospital has his sunglasses on and constantly he's threatening people that if mm. if, if they get out of hand i'm gonna take my sunglasses off and don't, you don't want to see don't make that. me take my sunglasses off yeah. and like it's things like that that i really appreciate in like a movie like this that is somewhat meandering and like feels like that descent into madness that it's not just about nicholas cage's descent like he is still surrounded by a world of like people with quirks and like you know um I don't know, real people and, and things like that. Yeah. <clears throat> that makes sense. Well, I just feel uh, like colorful. that's a flaw of the writing. Like, I feel like the the characters are, there are good characters. There's great performances. It feels like the directing is good because those characters are coming across. So it feels mm-hmm. like there must be some connection between director and cast. But it feels like the writing is is all over the place. Like, it's crazy that it's an, adap- an adaption of a book into the screenplay script, like, that you couldn't get more of a hold on like it feels like they didn't want to cut stuff where Mm. i think you need to focus focus in on what you're doing yeah and i and i kept getting the feeling that it was like like a worse fight club and i saw on imdb trivia that paul schrader wanted edward norton to play frank and it was Mm -hmm. his first choice instead of nicholas cage and i was like like you do get that sort of sense of it's trying to be like gritty and it's trying for me, it's like the elephant in the room is capitalism and the war on drugs and the opioid crisis and like the U.S. healthcare systems, like and the federal government. Like these are the true villains causing all of the oh. conditions that we see in the movie. And it feels like it's just the movie is constantly treating symptoms instead of knowing what what the real disease is. I don't know. Um, no, but I. I don't I mean I I both agree with you but not the takeaway in terms of nope. I do feel like the movie is like yes this is a failed system and these people are not like they are just treating symptoms and that's the point is like mm-hmm. they are there's no uh you know there's no end for this like unless you know you change from the top and I feel like the, that's what the one of the good things that the movie does is it shows you like this is broken this is a broken system and they have failed. And, like, you see that on the streets. Um, but, like, that's why it's so hard to be a paramedic is that, like, you're just, like, cleaning up a mess that's going to, you know, make a mess again the next day. And I think that's, like, illustrated by the stinky man who there's this guy that oh, – there's this stinky. man that's constantly going into the um, 
going back to the hospital because he gets he, I think he's either you know too drunk or on too many drugs and he smells really bad and you know Christina was not happy about this necessarily during the movie she's like the poor guy and I'll say this when I used to work at Javista at the coffee shop mm-hmm. there were some unsheltered people that would come in from time to time and there was one that like came in quite a lot and he smelled really bad. And it's like one of those things where like you feel bad, but at the same time, it's such a horrific smell that you truly like gag. It's like, you know, you can't really do anything. And this man once came in and and lit a cigarette inside. And we were like, you can't do that. So we're, we're saying you have to leave and you can only be kind for so long. Right. And he was like, no. And then he said, he's like poisoned himself and that he was going to die. And he goes, and we called an ambulance and the ambulance comes and it was similar in that the ambulance came and they're like this guy again. <laughs> and they, they like sat him down. Wow. They yelled at him for a little bit and then they took him. <laughs> and it was one of those where I'm like, I guess there are some people that are regulars that paramedics, <laughs> that paramedics know that just kind of like, and it's sad. It's at the end of the day, it's like sad. I'm not trying to laugh at it. But it's like having to interact with it is different than, say, like, just like being like the situation is bad. You know what I mean? I don't know yeah. what you mean. <clears throat> Eli gets me. I guess I I, under, I understand uh, a, a, what you mean. Uh, I don't know how much I love the way that the movie um, expressed this idea. Hmm. Like, for example... You know, there's a lot of people in this movie that were in the TV show The Wire, which whatever mm-hmm. is what I think a very, very good e- expressing of the idea that like all of the levels of government are connected, or like all of the levels of like municipal government are connected, <laughs> and there's like a ton of issues that have to do with, as Christina was putting it, like capitalism and um, you know socioeconomic factors that like are driving the suffering of a whole town and here are like the flawed people that are trying to put it together it feels like the two things are trying to access the same idea which is like we're going to take a very flawed person and make him an like a person that people think of as being like a hero like Mm -hmm. a, a emergency medical technician whatever but as far as the movie like making any kind of points about how uh, ambulance drivers or these people are like struggling in the scope of, or in the face of uh, a city that isn't operating well. It was like, I just felt like they were kind of getting at it, but they were much more interested in dealing with this whole ghosts thing. And uh, that's why I felt like the movie had, it just had like 15 different things that it brought up and didn't really like Mm. convincingly, you know, make any points, but I still like what you were just talking about, which is like the people that are spending a lot of time in whatever jail or like at the hospital, like having a look into uh, uh, what you witnessed in real life, which is like a person on the street who actually knows the ambulances drivers because they (laughs) are in the ambulance that much is like a very interesting dynamic to be discussing in a way. And I don't know what the yeah. what this movie had to say about that dynamic. Yeah, mm. you know? I love that you're saying that because I because it is it is like a couple concepts of the 
my sort of beef is what am I supposed to do after this, this movie? What is my call to action? Like if it was truly a character analysis of the ghosts or whatever, maybe I would be like confronting my own mortality and thinking about like, like facing death in that way. Or if it was a, a condemning the systems, I would think like, oh, how can we make these better? But it's all, all these things all at once, all over the place that you're like, where am I supposed to be necessarily? And I like that you attach it then to this, like they call him the Duke of drunk is the stinky man. <laughs> and one line that they have about him of their frustration is that they explained that it's the EMTs are saying it's not our job to taxi drunk. Someday someone will die because of this bum. The idea that this guy keeps getting drunk and sometimes doing like sort of pseudo suicide attempts or like drinking himself into crisis and that they could be better served with a call with more acuity and like that they really could save a life on. And mm. that was interesting of like comparing like, like that people do deserve and need care, but when certain, like the allocation of resources is such mm -hmm. an issue of tension and struggle here. The other thing that I thought was so interesting and weird about Stinky Man though, is that his community, his personal community of other unsheltered people he lives near love him they seem yeah. to love him they all waved him off out of the ambulance they were all concerned and checking on him whatever it's sort of like but that also didn't make sense of like if like you have the stinky man either he needs to be the stinky man that like nobody wants to be near like in uh, the hospital the or, or he has a community that would be the community around him felt have you you've seen community right it the TV feels, show? The Dan the Harmon TV, TV show, show? The Dan Harmon TV show. It feels more like he's a character they all know, not like he's their best friend. Like, he's more like, it seemed more like he was a Pierce. And they're like, you gotta save Pierce. You know, like, we don't, we know him. He's a part of the group. He's always around. He's one of us. I don't think they're like, this is... But that feels like it feels like you're explaining like a comedic a p comedic tool that you use in TV show as a as a mechanism that would be I'm used more in talking this dramatic about, I'm movie. talking more about that there's within any group there's always there like what I think community does in terms of not in the comedic element You're saying he's group, not popular, he's just notorious? Yes, basic honestly basically. <laughs> well, okay. really well put. Really well put. <laughs> Thanks. Um I want to move us forward in a for a couple of things that I, I want to talk about before we uh, end up. There's two big, I'd say, let's call them scenes that we haven't really discussed. The first of which is there's this weird, like, oasis place where it's unclear exactly what it is. It looks like a drug den, but it's also like, maybe it's just some beds. Uh, it's, and to be it's clear, little, it's someone's apartment. It's someone's apartment. Um, it was really, there's that. And then I also want to talk about when Nicolas Cage helps uh, this man with assisted suicide. Okay, okay. But then um, we should, let's talk about the Oasis. But let's talk about the Oasis first. What was I this liked, place? The things I liked about the Oasis <laughs> is that it had an aquarium full of fish and it had a, a 3D volcano on the wall, wall art that was actively smoking. Um, I thought that was impressive. And there was a woman dressed in purple who asked Nicolas Cage to take her pulse. And he was like, two beats per minute. That's great. Or something, which I was like, two <laughs> beats per minute. That doesn't seem like enough. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a shot of a fish like rubbing against an anemone, which I was like, that's a great shot. Great fish shot. But it is like, <laughs> wow, 
why? For what? For what? I did like that fish shot. I think for something like that, they're like, oh, get get that, get that, get that fish on there. <laughs> yeah. But it is the Oasis plotline, it does feel like it's hard to, the, oh, it's such a disjointed movie, but the Oasis plotline ends up being like, like Nicolas Cage goes to seek out Patricia Arquette because she has gone there seeking comfort in the, her time of crisis dealing with her father. And drugs. And drugs. And, yeah, comfort from drugs. That yep, that's where. Yeah, I'm going. but not just comfort. Anna. Yeah, make sure it's clear. Make sure it's clear. Thank you. Oh, thank I you. Thank do you. That, you know. <laughs> then Nicholas Cage accepts one drug, one pill, and has a drug trip from that. And then later we return to the oasis where there's been a horrific crime. The fish are spilled. The woman in purple is shot that's in right. the head. The horrific and the crime. The drug dealer himself. The horrific is- crime is that the fish are spilled. Number one. That the worst really thing that's happened is the me. fish have been spilled. <laughs> Number two, someone got shot in the head, but we have our priorities <laughs> straight. Fish on the floor. Yeah. Woman Number shot in the head. Three. She's only Number down three, two the drug <laughs> She was she practically was, dead. She's practically she basically dead. might as well have been dead. And then that drug dealer is impaled on a fence, and they manage to rescue him. He ends up being fine. But it's like, what do we, what do we say with this plot line, I suppose? I'm not okay. Sure. So if I were Catholic, I think I would have much more to say. But I, I think just from what I know about Scorsese, who's like a little bit obsessed with these religious questions, mm-hmm. that this movie is like, basically, how do we deal with death? And like, how, how do we treat this thing um, that is like ever present in all of our lives? And the way that we're going to look at death is to the perspective of a ambulance driver who deals with death all the time. And like a place where people are always dying, it seems in the early nineties in New York. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. and Oasis feels like the chapter of the movie where they're like dealing with escapism as an, as a way of dealing with death, which is let, like mm-hmm. heroin and this drug, uh, creates an oasis from the idea of death. Like it creates, mm-hmm. It eliminates the human condition, in other words. like that, I think that like William S. Burroughs said that about heroin, that it's like the, the fundamental suffering of mankind is derived from the idea that we are going to die, but we are like incredibly sensitive and deep thinking beings that like someday will be no more. And like all suffering comes suffering from Suffering from refusing to accept death. Yeah. Yeah. So heroin, it's just basically, I mean, like whenever it seems that it just makes you like nod off in the most pleasurable possible way that mm-hmm. you are no longer even thinking about anything. You're no longer thinking about being and therefore are not thinking about your death um, in any way. So it feels like the Oasis part of the movie was like, I don't know th- that the chapter where we're like learning about why people get very into drugs. It's like all sort of this death escapism. It seems. And, and then I guess it, it makes what you're saying is actually, wow. Eli, that's freaking brilliant because it also makes sense. If that's what Scorsese is trying to say there, it makes sense that when we go back there, it's all death. It's like it's at its worst. It's death. It's death for the fish. It's death for the humans. And like mm-hmm. at its best, at its best, you're impaled on a fence. Like you're crucified. Like you're not dead. You're not dead, but you're yeah. You're like um, you know you are you are moments from death, and you've been saved luckily. By like one of, you know, by in this case, Jesus, you know, um, mm-hmm. but 
Uh, the idea of it being escapism, but then Nicolas Cage takes his pill to try to explore escapism, and his drug trip ends up being back to all the ghosts of Rose, back to the Rose Garden. Well, it starts, it doesn't yeah. start at the Rose Garden. There's an. Of course I, not. Well, I want to say, because I wanted to talk about the. There's an awesome. I don't know, again, this is where like, I'm like, I don't know if this fits in the movie, but it was so cool. He's like helping up ghosts from the ground in this like weird back. Oh, right. Um, it was super trippy and like really cool, and I guess it was part of like that drug trip. But it's it's one of those where like <coughs> I feel like a lot of times in drug trips in movies, it's just like fast moving, eyes popping, you know, like that, um, like Requiem for a Dream style. Um, whereas this was like I don't know, it was something I feel like I hadn't really seen, and it was really cool. But then we do get to he goes a little too far, sees too many roses. And then we well, get... he can't escape. He goes. He goes. Mm-hmm. He gets. We see the memory that has set him off through yes. the whole movie. The botching rose botch. She's pumping air into her stomach. So, oh, so so freaky. That was a really. <laughs> that was intense. That was intense. You know um, uh, who have either of you done CPR or like not done or like no. um, been certified? No. Uh, I've taken a couple of CPR courses. Um, and it's it is very important when you're doing the breathing you have to tilt the head back so that you do breathe into the lungs because they say otherwise you will breathe into their stomach and that could kill them and mm. one part of that is i believe now they've almost stopped they've told people to stop doing mouth to mouth because i think it's like uh the average joe like myself who's taking a cpr course is not necessarily going to be able to do it correctly. And they just do chest compressions. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing you learn when you do a CPR course, which came into factor here, um, is infant CPR, which mm. they perform on that baby, mm-hmm. which was brutal. Is Vingrave, there's a, at some point, Vingrave's, uh, they come across this woman, speaking about Christianity, where she's supposedly a virgin and, virgin and she's giving birth to twins, but we're also like she's not a virgin i mean uh but they give birth to twins and ving rames gets a healthy one and nicholas cage gets the dead one that he tries to resuscitate by doing infant cpr and it doesn't happen but yeah you he right. was doing it correctly it's two fingers cuz you don't want to break their ribs um and it is upside down as opposed to um a human like a an a, a, a adult let's call them you're, you know, face down, like, or, or on the back, onto the chest like this. Yikes. That's how you give Amazing a baby stuff. CPR? Yeah, you, you actually, you hold them like this. Well, you do this, and then you can, you have to turn them over to try to get the breath going. <sighs> and they oh, do it okay. correctly. They do it correctly. Which I was like, nice. There you go. Some realism. Great. So they really killed that baby is what you're saying. And yeah, so they used a real they baby. They found a real they found a real woman giving birth to twins, feet first. Right. And then they really killed that second baby. Oh god. <laughs> oh my god. That was one of the well, weird but th- this whole movie is like I feel like if I understood the stories of the of religion more, like if I had actually read the Bible in 11th grade when we were supposed to. No, I I I I did 15 years of Catholic schooling and I like that you're bringing it in, but I don't I don't think it gives a guiding post, not the way like Darren Ar- Darren Aronofsky's mother is so biblical and you can really like track it along and pick it out and whatever this it's like you could 
you could layer it in, but I don't think it provides a guiding structure. Right. I think um, it's I think it's layered in, but I think it's harder to find. Like it's layered in and then there's like a sheet over it. But it's just it's layer it's like it's like it's like we're making cookies and we're making every type of cookie at once and it's be ends up being too much that like okay. like like at one point we're going under the bridge and there's a white horse. There's just a white horse walking around. I don't know. There's a white horse. Nothing goes on with it. And I'm just like, is that we're saying death coming in on his pale white horse? Like you want to say like that's a moment. But it's just like that doesn't have nothing happens with that white horse. So what am I supposed to do? But uh, you wanted is this a good time to jump to the assisted death scene that you wanted to talk about? Patricia Arquette's father's character. I got something on that. Yeah, Let's talk to it. us, Eli. It's not much, but I mean, it's more religious stuff. It's just like, if you're a very religious person and you're like very depressed and you want to kill yourself, you can't because mm-hmm. you're just not allowed to. It's not allowed in the re- most religious faiths. Um, and I was seeing a lot of the relationship between that and the idea of him quitting it's just the idea of quitting in general, mm, of like yeah. doing drugs. That's quitting. I'm quitting being awake. I'm just going to sleep all the time because I'm going to be on heroin. Yeah. I want to quit my job. You can't quit today. I can't let you quit. Yeah. No one's quitting. Okay. He meets that guy. Two different uh, uh, people had tried to kill themselves but failed to do so. And he yeah. scares one of them into doing oh it. And then the other guy, he's like, no, no, we're going to kill you at the hospital. So there's like this parallel between quitting and whatever and then this momentous experience that he has with this guy every time he sees him the guy is literally talking to him from beyond the grave being like kill me i, I can't i don't want to do this anymore. but there's also a question of like is that uh, like i think we believe it as the audience because we hear it too but i think you could ask like is is his character is insane well it's yes he- well it's also it's it's even less than kill me it's it's let me die because he's dying and they truly 17 times over the course of a day or two they shock him back to life so it's mm-hmm. it's less of like he's like i'm feeling bad like end it he's like i'm going and they're like not today and he's like please just let me go yeah, yeah. The film confronts the <laughs> ethics of resuscitation and like 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 this initial act he tries to resuscitate her and that is the failure that like ruins his life kind of and and that they have a lot of scenes where it's like so this father character he's begging to die begging to be do not resuscitate dnr but the family's insisting on it they show another like looks like a 12 year old boy kind of that they they keep they're like we wish he was dnr but his mother doesn't want that and and how you're just like you're just creating a vegetable. There's a line about where they call it a waste of technology within the hospital. And like, there's all all these like very scary, like, like does end up being a question of like the joy and what the character is seeking to save a life is like that ultimate high mm-hmm. versus confronting like, when are you actually saving a life and when are you just like brutalizing the death? Yeah. And in terms of like the body Mm. versus the soul part of it is like, there's they say at least three times, if not more, they go like, we just need to keep the body going long enough for the brain and the heart to like come back up. 
right? Like mm-hmm. they keep saying that, especially about the dad. Um, and I feel like that's part of it as well. Like we are both the body that we like are inhabiting this world, but then there is that like who we are that's inside of us that like the distinction between the two of those. Mm-hmm. Honestly, you know, I don't, this is not a, this is a, maybe a backhanded compliment. I'm not trying to, to hurt you, Eli, but I forgot how smart you are about like, like you were put, you're piecing together these like quitting motifs throughout the movie. And I forgot we used to go to your uh, foreign films, domestic beers at your house and we'd watch movies and then you would hold court afterwards and say, all right, everyone, like, you know, what were the themes of this movie, whatever. And it was awesome. I mean, I'm not saying this is a knock against you. It was, it was incredible to like really break down and like look at themes and motifs. And I'm like, wow, I thought we were, you know, I think it's because more recently I've seen you in a comedic vein. And so I was like, oh, we're, we're having another comedian on who's going to make some jokes and, and talk about the movie. But you're really getting deep in there. And I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. That's very nice of you. I used to love doing that. Uh, I think I remember the two of you being wonderful um, to talk to about uh, movies. So I was excited to come on on your podcast. I don't have many jokes about this movie. I think that this well, there's movie not much was to joke very, about. <laughs> it was very dark. Yeah, uh, I could try and make some jokes, but it. I mean, oh, here's yeah, one. You ever tabletop I, I, anyone, Eli? They try to tabletop. Uh, you've tabletopped. I've, I've tabletopped. tabletopped. I, I I've tabletopped and I've been tabletopped. Um, yeah, and it's not fun. It's not fun to be tabletopped. No. <laughs> um, yeah. Would well, you have it's a, a tabletop joke? joke? Oh. <laughs> no, but I thought it was so funny that like. It's so funny that they're like, let's tabletop this guy. I mean, not let's. It's Tom, the piece of shit Tom's like, let's tabletop yeah. this guy. And I'm like, this feels absolutely insane at this point in the movie. I know, yeah. <laughs> that was probably the apex of tabletopping a, a sad, deranged man. If you want another moment of levity in the movie, I enjoy uh, Patricia Arquette walks up to Nicolas Cage and tells he's, he's lighting up a cigarette and she tells him you shouldn't smoke. And he says, it's okay. They're prescription. <laughs> Solid bet. Solid. Yeah. Solid. Solid. Solid joke. Solid. I, and the, I, you mentioned the glasses earlier. If I'm not going to take off my, if I don't make me take off my glasses, pretty good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was convinced for the first hour of this movie, I kept leaning over to Christina and going, Patricia Arquette is a ghost. This is the sixth sense. Patricia Arquette's a ghost. Only he can see her. Yeah. And like, eventually, because the here's movie. the thing. Here's the thing. I'd say there's about three interactions where no one interacts with her. So I, I was like, okay, this is sixth sense. And this is the same year as the sixth sense. So I was like, wow, did this do it before? Martin Scorsese, sixth sense, you know? No, it uh, eventually she interacts with plenty of people. <laughs> it's totally yeah. not, and I felt, I felt a little dumb, but I was also like, but if I was right, I would have felt incredible, and I think that's a kind of swing that I'm happy to have gone for. So, can I ask a question about the ending? How yes. does he achieve? I'm worried my computer's going to die, but I think we'll be okay. I got five five percent, which should be good. Um, oh my god, uh, <laughs> we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. I promise. Um, what, how does he achieve any sort of closure because he assisted this man's suicide? Like, in what way does that give him closure with Rose? Because I think Christina, you were hinting at this earlier. 
But like, what what's the read there? I I'm not sure I understand actually, it. I actually think I have it. I think that's not that's not exactly Rose's full closure. I think he saves the guy who is impaled on the fence, and that's the first life he has saved. I think like him himself, right? Without the help of the preacher. Without the help of the preacher. Like he's able to he he as the guy's falling, he is able to hold on and bring him back. And I think that allows him, because he's now saved a life, to let this guy go. And I think both in saving a life and letting someone go, combined, he's able to let go of Rose. Hmm. Is what I got out of it. Okay. Like he needed both, essentially. Okay. That makes sense. I buy it. It's a little convoluted, like when you're Eli, watching it. In real I'm so time. nervous about you. I'm you nervous know, about it too. Going. So let's let's move on. We're gonna talk. He, we're gonna get into. Gotta our, plug in. We've got. We've do you want to plug we've... in? All right. All right. I'll plug in. I'll plug in. Uh, okay. Nice. <laughs> why didn't Why didn't I think of that? That's a great idea. I'm right here. <laughs> um, let's talk about Nicolas Cage specifically quickly before we move on to our ratings. Well, also. While Eli plugs in, I could do a sponsor spot unless you think it's going to be. Oh, too go much for it! Yeah, no, go for it. Go for it. A uh, word from our sponsors: um, Marcus Hunter promotes playing a tabletop role-playing game with your good friends, kneeboarding on a up. tranquil lake, and making fun <laughs> of your cat. Uh, Anushella is a restaurant in Boston. Artun, I love when you do the orders for our guests. I'm sorry our that guests. you don't enjoy it, but what would you what would you order for Eli? Um, for Eli. Eli likes Eli likes some meat. Um, I think he's getting like a combination platter. Like he's getting a little bit of overnight braised beef. He's getting some zatar chicken. We'll get him a little bit. Whoa. of uh, Maybe some lavash on the side. Uh, what? Maybe some rice pilaf, some labneh. Like he he likes to try. You know he's he's into food. So I think he's he's yeah. trying a little bit of everything. I'd like to go family style. Yeah, honestly, that's on a lot of those things. Yeah. Answer. Um, now we're now we're we've put the put the juice back into Eli's computer. Uh, t- just talking of unplugging the uh, the dad character. Unplug it, yeah, yeah. The, your computer, your computer was the dad, and they wanted to go, but you said not today. Yeah. <laughs> said, not today. Not today. Um, I want to talk about Nicolas Cage specifically for just a couple of minutes before we get into our rating. Let's do right. it. Or final Shh. thoughts instead. Yeah. You mentioned Moonlight earlier, or uh, Moonstruck earlier today. Um, and in that movie, he is co-starring Cher. And Cher said about Nicolas Cage, he is the most haunted man I have ever met. He was 23 or 24 years old at the time <laughs> when she said that. Um, when you watch this movie, there are moments when you look at his face and you go, that is the most haunted man <laughs> I've ever met. His eyes are – I mean, it's a little – It's kudos to the makeup and, like, the lighting. But he looks – freaking horrible like he looks like he hasn't slept in days he looks terrible he he just looks so haunted he like breaks into like little hysterical laughs at certain points that like that i feel just adds to like i'm like this guy is like unhinging like he is he is unraveling like a spool of yarn and we're watching him do that through the course of this i loved it yeah i did too that was a cool thing when he starts laughing randomly when they're driving. I like that a lot. Yeah, because it's not one note. I think it adds. It adds like a. I don't know. I say this a lot. It, 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 usually, I'm the one defending Nicolas Cage, and and Christina's a little a little harsher sometimes. Oh um, but 
I get his ass, Christina. I think it added a nice flavor. And and you know what? We all expect and and want at this point to see a Nicolas Cage freakout. And we get one. We get one at the, the Oasis when he freaks out after the drug trip. And he's like screaming and going down. And he picks up Patricia Arquette and throws her over his shoulder, which was a little aggressive. But I was also like, that's his wife. It's okay. Um, right. <laughs> he walks out with my her. mom was like caveman are out of there she was a Cave, huge yeah. fan that's a nice yeah, scene he they end up, and he puts her down and like the stethoscope he's had on is tangled up in her shirt and they have to get untangled and she's like why are you following me and he's like because you yeah. can barely walk and they are yeah. I was like they're a good looking couple and Rip. and <laughs> But I didn't. I didn't she, feel like her character was very fleshed out. Was she no. just sort of drifts in to provide comfort and be sad, and and then drifts out. And her haircut was pretty bad. I was pretty. I was getting pretty nervous about <laughs> my own bangs. Looking at her bangs, being like, is that how people see me? But uh, she's kind of a haunted person too. Like yeah. she seems haunted looking. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is that mean oh. to say? No, no, I no, haunted. No, no, no. I think haunted is not a derogatory description, and especially I not think, for this for this movie, especially I think, or for the two of them. Like also, Patricia, Patricia Arquette, Arquette currently like... being in Severance, I think, is also in reliance upon her haunted expressions mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. she is capable yeah. of. And oh, and speaking of the haunted look, I was just going to say that in this movie, Nicolas Cage's character just says his mother described his face as being uh, like a, the face of a priest, um, which was. Is is more on like the spiritual note is more just some of those things that you're like, what the hell but am this, I supposed to think about this? Um That's creepy. And it's a creepy more, thing to say. Creepy thing to say, <laughs> creepy thing to think about. Uh very creepy all around. And then more Nicolas Cage moments that I liked where I spelt was a was that feels like he's constantly trying to like feed Patricia Arquette's character. He's always like, do you want this food or that food or whatever? And she's like, no. And I really like in one of their like last moments together, he puts his hand on her face like so slowly and thoughtfully and carefully and like slowly kisses her on the cheek and walks off. And it's just like, he's got the riz, man. Is the riz the opposite of the ick? Yeah. Yeah. What is the riz? Riz from Charisma. He's got oh, Charisma. Riz oh, Riz from Charisma. charisma. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does have something. I couldn't really, I mean, this is what the, I guess the point of this podcast is, is could you, the two of you having now watched so many of his movies, can you sort of track what his, what, like what makes him Riz, Rizzy? Because, Rizmic? Uh, yes. Because... I still don't know that I have a great working definition for like what makes him. Is it just that he's sort of dangerous and wild, but also tortured? To me, it's the torture. It's he's got big, beautiful eyes. He can do stillness really well, and then he can also like surprise you with this psychotic like like he he seems so often to be living out the question of like losing yourself versus having control over the people around you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is like the motifs. And I think what we see him explore and what I've been thinking about more and more is like, in terms of being the greatest actor, like would Edward Norton have done a better job in this movie? 
maybe maybe it would be a different movie maybe it would have harnessed the tone i i don't know necessarily but like but like your question about how we've seen him over these two decades now i'm like i see a stanislavski forming i feel like nicholas cage is a is capable of being the greatest actor alive because he is can form a specific like acting style it's still the question is still withstanding the next two decades and i think where he ends up going and what he ends up doing if that comes to fruition or not but like that's where i'm more like what i'm gleaning of respect from nicholas cage as opposed mm-hmm. to individual performances yeah we know. we mm. sometimes ask like can another actor have done this role better per se or just like or is he so, like so special like we kind of talked a little bit about how in face off like it really can only be him um right. in that role i don't know if you've seen it but it's kind yes, of I like have. like like that and it's part of that goes i also think he has been able to he starts out basically being a romantic lead in a lot of movies and then he switches and like, you know, then has his like action era. And then, and then he's also got a lot of like, um, like a normal guy in over his head, like too much for this, for this one man, which kind of feels like this is a little more in that spectrum, like this and like a touch of action for this is like where this lives. Um, right. and I think being able to like be that chameleon and he has a chameleon tattoo steam lizard, or a lizard, lizard, or lizard. He like to be able to like just kind of like switch through different genres and have like and be able to kind of succeed in them, I feel is also part of it. You know what I mean? Mm. And this has been something Arjun and I disagree on. Just to be clear, I don't agree with the things he's saying right now. I, I don't agree with that. <laughs> okay. You think that he's more of a he brings himself to every role and is not really adapting very much for the genre? Yeah, I think what his power is 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 like bringing Nicolas Cage to the world and like we're like honing that legendary figure in our culture. Okay. I don't know about our two. Our dude's always like, "Oh my god, he goes from genre to genre." And I'm like, sometimes he is glaringly like like a sore thumb out in it and then like sometimes he's fighting against the genre so hard and like but that's what I makes I don't, the I don't ascribe to the Artoon school of thought. Speaking, but... speaking of disagreements, why don't we segue this into our ratings of the movie and Nicholas okay. Cage. Okay. So we, we rate each movie out of five stars for the movie, and then Nicholas Cage, ten cages. Five points for his technical, what he actually brought, like per- delivered on screen, and five points for the creative, what he what we think he brought to the role from behind the scenes or like his sense of self. Do you have a a, take that you want to go in or you want to? Yeah, I would go gut take. Sorry, I cut you off there at the end. I was going to ask if I could get some of your ratings for some of the previous movies. So I get a sort of sense of how he's doing. Ooh. Is that um, cheating? That's cheating. No, that's not. That's not. It's just hard to say. say. Because we're also. We've gone as low as like three or four before on some movies and we've hit 10. Um, I'd say an yeah. average rating lives between a seven and an eight. Okay, and so wait, so it's but it's a fifteen point scale. It's like how did I like the movie? How did I like? No, it's ten. The ten, movie's ten separate points for Cage, and the movie is separate. Movie you separate. can rate five okay. stars five separately from yeah. from Cage. 
Okay, this movie is a three, in my opinion. This movie's getting a three for me. I'd like to give it a five. Honestly, I'd like to give it a ten, but I can't. <laughs> Anyone want to disagree? For no, well, I want to hear I your know. Nicholas your Nicholas Cage ten. Or you want oh, us to go around Nicholas. the horn for the movie? Let's do around the horn. Let's do around the horn. I love it. I love it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go ahead. That's totally all right. Honestly, I was about to say a three point five, but after hearing like after we kind of talked a little bit more about the Christian motifs and like kind of getting into it, I'm bumping it up to a four, baby. I'm not afraid. Four stars, bringing out the dead. I like Um, that. Christina, do not. This is a two-star movie. This is a two-star movie. It's got wow. it's got some stuff that's like nice, but it's a freaking headache. Two hours, two stars. Um, that's one star okay. per hour, one one beat per minute. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Eli, Nicholas Cage. Okay, and then the Nicholas Cage rating and its creativity. And then, sorry, I I blacked out for a couple seconds there. You've done five seconds. Amazing. Okay, five five for creativity, and then five for like how we actually like technically how 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 he's acting. Yes, like it's it's in one of those where bring what he deliver. To give the perfect example, sometimes he does an accent that doesn't hit, Mm -mm. and so he could actually get points for that in creativity, but lose for it in technical. (laughs) He did the work for it, but he but he botched it. Okay, I'm gonna go five stars for his for like technical performance. Okay, mm-hmm. five five on technical. He's gonna. This is one of his better better acted movies. I think. Is it crazy to give him five? Maybe I should give him less. No, Maybe dude. I'll give no, four points. no, no. Go no, for it's it. It's reasonable. It's reasonable. Right. Go with your gut. Go with five. your gut. You don't have to rethink going, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's good in this movie. He's very good in this movie. Um. As far as creativity, though, like, you know, is he really, like, swinging in the way that I think he has in other movies and, like, expanding the art form as a, uh, like, shamanistic – what does he call it? Shamanistic – Oh, his, his philosophy? Yeah, of, like, like acting. He calls it, like, shamanistic yes. uh, expressionism, I think. Yes, oh, yes. Lord. Is he being shamanistically very expressive in this movie? No, he's getting a three. So a total score of 8 out of 10 for bringing out the dead. Eli, it's not that crazy. That is the exact score I was planning on giving him, including the 5 for technical, because I do think he shows up and just does a fantastic job just like like being in this movie. Um, And then again, 3 on the creative. I don't think he's, he's doing anything that new or that like, you know, big like... An eight is still a fantastic score, but for a mo- like only a few movies can be a ten cage. You know what I mean? Every movie can't be <laughs> ten cages. You know what I mean? Yeah. Otherwise, it's. I want to know. Too much. I want to know after the pod what what's gotten ten cages. We'll let you know. We'll let you know. Okay. 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 Christina. I, I also I don't like when he says every movie can't be ten cages because I'm like if it's worth it it's worth it like like don't like it, they sh- it shouldn't be the the other stuff but I but I get how it's. I think seeing other things contextualizes whether or not it's a 10, but I, I'm like, shouldn't matter how many 10s are out there to keep giving 10s. You give them when they're earned. But anyway, anyway, climbing down from that high horse. Um, I would say 
four points for technical. I'm docking one point because I thought his voiceovers were really bad. I thought he was really boring and like it was like coming across like he was reading right off the page in the voiceovers. Um, and as far as creative goes, I, I'm like, I'm between a four and a five there. Cause I'm like, I don't think you should lose points if I can't see stuff. Like, mm. like I think he, I actually think he's delivering the other stuff that I've seen so far. And just wow. because I've seen it before and it's accumulating doesn't mean he didn't bring those things. Give so I'll say nine. nine. I'll give him the nine. Give him here. the nine. Nice. nice. Minus one wow. for shitty voiceovers, but everything else was nice. And those eyes Good were so big and beautiful. Really nice. Yeah. Can, just can uh, I, because we, we haven't brought it up yet, just Christina, because yeah. you brought up the voiceovers. Uh, it's such an interesting point about that. They're terrible. It's, They're terrible. They, <laughs> and, and it's so, like, they so obviously call to my, I mean, I mean to me, the previous, I guess, I don't know, maybe they worked on something else, but like Taxi Driver, Paul Schrader writing all these voiceovers about a guy driving around New York City directed by Scorsese. Like yes. it's such a, like you immediately are thinking of Taxi Driver and it's just way worse and just kind so of pointless. So like you don't, pointless. they're so unnecessary. Um, and but yeah, I think we didn't mention, but this this movie is a box office bomb. This had a budget of thirty two mm-hmm. million and a box office of half that, sixteen point eight million. Whoa, and so, brutal. and I think I think it reaped what it sowed with no. seeds all over the place. Couldn't bring in a full harvest. Um, <laughs> what are you What are you sniffling about? Uh, did we miss any other any other final thoughts that you guys want to toss in before we? No, I close think we're right out? about right about out of time. I say we close on out and happy new year, everyone. We I I asked you if you had any final thoughts. I didn't ask you to close us happy out. New like, year, like, happy new year, twenty twenty three. Wow, our tune really waging a war on holidays right now. He's so crazy. <laughs> He's so crazy. Um, I have final thoughts. Thanks for asking. Unless, Eli, do you want to say something? COVID thoughts? I was going to try and think of like what the snarky reviewer at the New York Times would have, like what pun it, they would have made about the movie bringing out the dead because it did poorly at the box office. It was like, mm, I don't know. Yeah. I was thinking what like THR? leaving behind the bread, A Scorsese <laughs> or something stupid like that. <laughs> Or just like dead at the box office. So, that's, yeah. that's my final terrible closing thought. I nice. love that. That's a good final thought. My final closing thought is that I read an article on Business Insider that was about um, an actual EMT named Atma Dejenyet. Uh This was a 2022, April 2022 article. So this guy was talking about like, like having had COVID sweep in over in New York for the past couple of months. And, but where this guy ended up talking about was that he, he was very stoically was saying by focusing your energy on things that are in your control on not the things that are out of it, you will be less stressed. He said, you will feel like your own anchor in an ocean of uncertainty. And Ving Rhames character in the movie uh, talks about how you can't change what's going on out there, only where you're coming from. And I don't think that the movie successfully executed like bringing those those concepts to the forefront of what you should walk away with. But as my final thought, I want to walk away with like 
memento mori, stoic thoughts. Remember that you're going to die. Remember that you just should try to focus on the things you can control. Because I feel that way sometimes. I'm like, everything, capitalism is a nightmare and I cannot untangle it on as one person alone. What do I do? And like, that the answer comes on like, working as best as you can to get yourself right in the head um, goes a long way, I think. Wow. So uh, now you know how we feel about the movie, and we'd love to hear from you, listener. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Question. Send any emails to cageoldquestionpod at gmail.com. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to this podcast and send a five-star review our way. Eli, do you have anything to plug? Uh, please follow me on Instagram and TikTok, uh, Delicious Lloyd. I will post um, – occasionally I'll post a film review, so that might be – Oh, nice. More of a cross-section for your listeners. I've seen some of your stand-up on TikTok. It's so funny. It's great. I love seeing it. Thank you. Nice. I post stand-up. You, you, because of the way your camera looked, you look like uh, Nick Cage at the end of the movie right oh. now. Yeah, I'm the pay. I, I'm like, should I get up and change it? <laughs> um, thank you for that, though. This has been a really, really fun time. Excellent. Uh, um, I love talking Yes, and we'll make sure to – we'll, we'll have your, your handle – uh, in the show notes as well for those oh, who don't know how to spell delicious or Lloyd. Fantastic. Um, so we are kicking off the new year with the end of the 90s. Check back here for our wrap-up that we will be doing. Have a very happy 2023 starting off and signing off. This is Christina. And our two Nazareth with special guest. Eli Lloyd. And we're asking you the cage-old question. I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence. I'm a vampire! I'm a vampire! I'm a vampire! I'd like to take his, his face off. Oh, no, not the beard! A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M. I was a little drunk. Plus, I was horny.